Welcome to Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Chef Dee Levine. She is the owner of Delightful Cupcakes, a company here in New Orleans that has really the best, most beautiful cakes you've ever seen. So welcome, Dee. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I know that your company does a lot of direct dealing with the public and that a lot of your creations are delivered. So now that we're here in this pandemic, I'm really interested in knowing what kind of went through your head, whether you decided to keep open and take precautions or close down or exactly what you've decided to do. So for me and my business, this pandemic hit right after Valentine's Day, right, which is a really big day for my business. We specialize in baked goods, of course. We do cakes and cupcakes and cookies and those types of things. I also have a side of my business that I do fruit bouquets and chocolate-covered strawberries. So this was like right after Valentine's Day, which was interesting. So once everything started to kind of roll down and I was getting a little bit more information, I decided to actually close my business. And the reason why is because we do, 80% of my business is delivery. Some of that is home delivery. Some of it is business delivery. Also, you know, business to schools, just just delivery throughout New Orleans and in Metairie. And at that point, I wasn't sure what I didn't know. And I didn't want to take the risk of putting other people in danger and we didn't have enough information. So once it came down, you know, that this is what was happening. And of course, the governor got on and decided, you know, listen, this, these are the things that we're going to do that we're going to pretty much shut everything down. Then of course, I went with that in the safety of myself and my family and the people that work for me. So what is your position now? So now this is kind of um, mid-May. So that's quite a while down the pike. It has been a long, long couple of weeks. Now that the city has will officially be reopened in stage one, I at this point is still not opening my business. Okay. I do still feel that it's still a bit early. And because most of my business is delivery, you know, one of the one of the things that I thought about was there's no sign if I have to deliver to a house. So nobody has a sign outside of their door that says, hey, we're quarantining for 14 days or, you know, we could have possibly been exposed. We're not really sure. So, you know, when I have an employee that goes out to do delivery, they have five or six deliveries at a time. And to know that you could have possibly been exposed at your first delivery and then now you've made four more, you know, even though you are potentially, you know, you're taking as much care and consideration to be safe for yourself as well as the customers. It's still to me was too, it's still too open or too up in the air to say, okay, I think we need to, you know, all business as usual. We're going to kind of return and see you know, how this is going to go. I still felt at this point it was still a little bit risky for me. I I want to see more. I need to see how the city moves, 
how people are reacting before I say, yes, I'm going to be comfortable with restarting my business. So when you do restart, have you given any thoughts to precautions you're going to take or what is your plan? I, I have been um, thinking about that. Of course, having this time off allowed me to be able to plan and prepare for when we do reopen. And yes, we had to come up with new procedures as far as delivery and how we interact with the customers. Of course, if I was going to do a home delivery, I would pull up as usual. I would ring the doorbell, definitely stand six feet away. Hopefully they could see us out of their peephole or maybe out of a window announce who we are and let them know what we're doing there. So a part of the business, a lot of the deliveries that we do are a surprise. So we can't call the customer ahead of time. Oh my goodness. We kind of don't want to ruin any of those surprises, whether it's a birthday or an anniversary. So we definitely wait for them to acknowledge that someone's there. Of course, we tell them who we are and what we're doing. We ask them to not leave the house immediately. Don't open your door. Like we can communicate through the door. You stay inside. We'll stay over here. And then we would leave the product. They would physically pick up their product. They would sign because we still need a verification that you received your item. And once you sign your invoice, you know, obviously we take care of wearing gloves. Definitely masks are important. I make sure that we try to not have close contact with a customer Unfortunately, some of our customers are elderly. So, you know, they may have, you know, the person that sent them an item may have sent them something that's too heavy for them to carry. You know, so that's one of the thought processes of, you know, you know, you may have a grandmother that says, you know, listen, honey, I can't pick that up. Can you come and bring that? you know, to the kitchen or can Does you that put it happen? Up? Did that happen in the past? It did happen in the past and quite often because some of these bouquets are really elaborate. I mean, the biggest bouquet that I make, it could weigh anywhere from 50 to 60 pounds. Oh. So, yeah. you know, to know that someone, you, you have no idea who your customer is going to be, they may not be able to hold that or pick that up. So, you know, in those instances, we just tell them that we do apologize We may be able to sit it inside of the door for you, but we cannot come in your home. You know, just just for the safety of you as a customer and the safety of my employees, we just can't do it. We have to we have to stop and say we can leave this for you on the porch. You know, if you want, we'll give you the option of calling someone and maybe we can set up a a specific time for them to come and, you know, take this delivery for you. But at this point, we literally stop at the door. Wow, that's going to make a big change. Yes, it does. And so what about the business where people pick up from you? So as far as pickup, it's definitely going to be more or less curbside, meaning that we're, you're going to have to call us ahead or text us ahead. It's almost like planning a schedule. You know, if you want to have something, then we have to make sure that you're slotted in this time slot and You know, we can meet you at your car. You don't have to get out. You roll down your window. We hand you your items. Of course, we are. We pop the trunk. Correct. Yes. Put it inside. In the back seat or however you, you know, want to have your, where you want to have your item. Mm -hmm. But there is very little human contact and also very little conversation because most of the time we can say what we need to say through text message or, you know, through phone that you don't have to physically stand there and talk to a customer. They look at their item, they make sure that everything is correct, and it is a seamless process. So do you think that this is going to affect your business in terms of 
The number of orders that you get. Definitely. So, of course, all of these things now, they take more time. They, they just take more time. It's something that when maybe we were able to do 10 or 15, now we're only doing about six or seven. And so is it worth it for six or seven? I mean, where do you draw the line and say it's probably better not to open than just to operate at a break-even point? Yeah, that's that's the tricky part, you know. And I feel for a lot of businesses that, you know, they may have business loans already and they do have bills to pay. And unfortunately, running on a lower performance of you know, of your sales definitely is going to impact you down the line. I think in the beginning, it's going to be tricky. It's really going to be tricky. And you just kind of have to play it by ear. I know that eventually things will pick up, of course, we'll get faster, right, so that our productivity will increase. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we're giving the care um, that we need to our product and to our customers to keep everybody safe. So that thoughtfulness yep, about it, one hundred percent. You know, we want to make sure that you feel comfortable with the product that you're getting. To know that we've worked in a clean, sanitized environment. That you know everything is one hundred percent as safe as it could possibly be for you to enjoy. I guess also as people get more used to that, then it's not as jarring for them either. Correct. I mean, and now you got to think that we've been kind of doing this now for a little over a month and a half. It's almost two months, you know. So if you have been used to having takeout or, you know, you've been used to picking up your your items at, you know, to go or drive up, you're kind of getting used to the way that things are running. And I feel like the country's going to operate like that for a little while. You know, I mean, even in the city now with 25% occupancy, that that's not a lot, first of all. Second of all, you know, now we are, the mayor's asked for people that want to dine in, you know, you have to leave your personal information. We need to be able to contact you in the event that someone was exposed. You know, maybe it wasn't the chef that made your food or it wasn't the server. Maybe it was the dish crew or, you know, anyone. Right. Maybe it was someone within the, within the restaurant that ate at the same time that you ate, right. you know. And sometimes when I think about my family, you know, I have to figure out what's worth it for me, right? I can't imagine um, putting my family at risk just to have a night out. Right. Yes. You know, so if I can if I can get the same things that I want, if I can get the the food and the quality from my favorite restaurant, even if it's just pickup, you know, or to go, then okay, I'll be willing to do that. But I haven't had an occasion at this point that was so special that made me feel like I wanted to be um in a restaurant currently at this point with it being just so new and everything just opening up. You know, I'm thinking about just the possibility of being tested. You know, tests are still limited across the country. So it's not even if you feel like maybe you have been put in the position that you may be compromised or you feel like maybe, you know, maybe I do want to get tested. Can you? Right. And unfortunately, if you are a person that is asymptomatic and you don't have any symptoms at all, it's going to be even more difficult to get tested. No, that, that's really true. I mean, it reminds me of all those stories about typhoid Mary 
She worked in all those restaurants and gave all those people typhoid, and she was totally asymptomatic herself. Yeah. And obviously, those stories are still around because they were really scary. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they still have a lot of people that I feel don't take this as serious as it should be taken. You know, obviously, it's mandatory that we leave the house that you have to have on a mask. I was out today. I could count the people that I saw that didn't have masks. And it wasn't because they don't have availability availability to get them or, you know, they don't know anybody or they just can't. They just don't want to do it. Some people feel that it's unnecessary. But I say to myself, you know, that's okay if you want to put your life at risk. But what gives you the right to put my life at risk? So do you think that perhaps that you will start up your cupcake and cake and cookies where people pick up from you more quickly than your delivery business? Yep. I I think that that would be the easiest option for us to kind of, you know, reintroduce ourselves back into the community to let people know that we are back um, is doing batch pickup, meaning that we make one specific thing on this day. And from this time to this time, these are the things that we have available pre-order only and, you know, we'll arrange for you to drive by and get your items. So you can get a dozen cupcakes or three dozen cupcakes or whatever on Wednesdays That's or correct. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so do you have any plans to get that started again? We have definitely been working on, you know, to see when we will be reopening. Obviously, we are, at, I'm, I want to at least wait until um, phase two mm-hmm. to kind of see how the city has evolved, you know, what's really going on, what the numbers look like. You know, unfortunately, right now, I feel like we've been at a standstill for the last couple of weeks with the people that have been testing positive and the number of deaths that have been, you know, a result of COVID-19. So waiting to see what happens in phase two, and we will continue accordingly. So hopefully everything goes as according to plan, and we will be opening shortly. And have you thought at all about even changing your business plan so that you're selling through other outlets as opposed to directly to the public? That's definitely a thing that we worked on. So, yes, our business model has stayed the same, but our business plan has changed because we even had to, you know, change the way that we work. You know, granted, in the in the kitchen, in the food industry, everyone wears gloves on, ready to eat food. You know, obviously, we we operate as, as safe as we can. But at the same time, it was never an issue to stand shoulder to shoulder and work with someone. Right. Or to talk to somebody else. Correct. Whatever, yeah. So, And, you know, nine out of ten times, you never had to do that with a mask on. Right. So, you know, just... A hairnet, um, maybe, but <laughs> not a mask. Definitely a hairnet. A mask... <laughs> Not not so much, but now, you know, people are even interacting in different ways. So now, you know, it's going to look more of a production line as opposed to people standing, you know, shoulder to shoulder and they're working. Now, you know, maybe you're only going to be doing this one particular thing and then you're going to pass it on to somebody else and then they're going to pick it up from there. That's one of the things that we've been working on just to increase productivity. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, there's so many issues and you don't also know how long we may be in this kind of new normal. Yeah. Because if there isn't universal testing, 
And if there isn't a vaccine or if there isn't a treatment or some kind of breakthrough, this could go on for two years. It can go on for a very long time. Yeah. I'm saying two years because I figure in two years we should have a vaccine. But that's just me being optimistic. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think they're actively working on it. So I would say it's probably going to be shorter than that. But I don't think that we would have a vaccine before this coming flu season. No, I don't think so either. It's, uh, it's a really interesting challenge and question of risk analysis for yourself. And then depending on the circle, your family circle, do you have young children? Do you yes. have elderly people? All of those things, and you have both. I have so, both, yes. So you're, you're really in the middle there. I think that that affects people's risk tolerance to some extent, too. Definitely, and it also affects, you know, when people are actually going to be open, you know. So if your risk is higher because of family members that you live with or even your own health issues. Right. You're not going to be willing to kind of put yourself out there. You know, I, I've always stuck with the models, you know, since this all kind of came about that I could make $20 million in three weeks. But if I got COVID and contracted it to my kids or to my parents and lost someone for it, the money is never going to be worth it. Right. So, you know, just really taking in consideration and just being as safe as we can. Of course, we know that. You have to, you're going to have to get out there. You're going to have to start at some point. But making really, really wise and informed decisions to move forward, it's key. It's detrimental. Right. And it's a really hard decision, and everybody's making decisions based on their own circumstances. Yeah. Do you think, since we're talking about the food business, do you think that there are going to be a lot of business closures in terms of restaurants? Because, you know, we had gotten to the point where people were eating out often. Very often, especially in our city. Yes, exactly. And, yes, part of our city was very tourist-oriented, so some of the people in restaurants were tourists. They weren't locals, but even locals were going out a lot. And we have such a loose open container law Yes, <laughs> that, you know, people can sit on their stoops and have a glass of wine or a beer as people walk down the street and you can talk and stop and say hello and all of that sort of thing. And I think all of that's really changing Yes, and it's really affecting people's feelings of isolation a whole lot. Yeah. But I also worry, looking back to Hurricane Katrina, where there was actual physical devastation in so many restaurants, that people came back from whatever isolation they had to be in because the city was closed. Yeah. And they came back, and many restaurateurs reopened their restaurants and did their work in their restaurants first yeah. so that they could bring the restaurants back before they tackled their own homes. Yeah. And when people came back, they could go out to eat and eat the food that they missed because they were in Memphis or they were in Chicago or Seattle or wherever they were. And they didn't have red beans and rice and they couldn't get coffee and chicory or red drink or whatever it was that they wanted. And now they can be with people who can eat that food and it feels comfortable and And everybody's mucking at their house together, and they're they're kind of talking about their own 
journeys and their own experiences. And those restaurants basically were the, the, the normalcy, the return to normalcy. They represented something really important about the culture of the city. Well, so now this is bigger than the city. Yeah. This is like worldwide. But nevertheless, there is still that sense of is the, is the restaurant going to still have that same place in our return to normalcy? Or is the restaurant going to be a place that people are afraid for a little bit? Um, what What is it going to mean? Let's not even talk about bars because yeah. I think that's an even different situation. But people have been quarantining long enough. It's a, not exactly quarantining, but almost. Yeah. So that they've created new habits. Yes. You know, if it takes 30 days to uh, form a habit, this is more than 30 days. Definitely. And so people are cooking at home and they're doing all kinds of things that they might not have normally done. Yes. So what... What do you think that's going to mean? And if they're opening at 25% capacity, is it even worth it for restaurants to open? Yeah. Uh So I do believe that it is worth it. You know, it's one of those things we're going to have to pay our dues in the beginning to really see fruit blossom in the end. Because if we don't come back and we don't open, you know, what's, how's the city going to function? I mean, we literally revolve around food. In, in every capacity. So, you know, I do feel like there's going to be some sacrifices with some businesses. I do believe that there's a lot of businesses that won't come back. You know, there are a lot of small businesses that this has, this has hurt tremendously, you know, that they just won't be able to sell enough, you know, with those daily comps to be able to pay employees. You know, you probably won't be able to occupy, to have your restaurant run on full staff like you were before because you can't serve as many people as you did before. Right. So, you know, definitely having and thinking outside of the box on ways to actually still try to service the same amount of people. They're just not going to be sitting in your restaurant. That's the key to moving yourself forward. You know, I think about myself and my own family and how we were able to break some habits. You know, I have a teenage son that loved fast food, and I just kept telling him that everything's still closed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it it did. You know, it's not that he stopped asking for it or stopped looking for it, but now we can limit it, right? But at the same time, that's still less money that we were putting out into the community, you know, right. and, you know, I think over time people are going to get comfortable again and things are going to go back to normal, so to speak. But the new normal is here and it's going to take a long time for people to kind of get used to that, to be able to move forward. I think it's going to be a quite an interesting ride. Yes. And being able to evaluate it and, and just see what's safe. One of the things that I've been interested in is some of the pictures I've seen of restaurants around the country that have put up clear uh, shower curtains yeah. in between the tables, yeah. which I think is really clever as a way to make people feel separate from the people at the next table. Yes. Yet you can still see them, so you have an awareness that, that other people are there. But it is an interesting solution yes 
I would say that. It's still, to me, a little tricky to know that even if my restaurant is occupied, you know, that I could do 25% occupancy, you know. That means that are we going to only be serving, you know, from one hour to the next hour to be able to clean in between, you know, or are we just going to say, okay, one table out, one table in, you know. So the, all those things, people now, restaurant owners, that you, you, you have to really think, differently to be able to pivot and be able to serve as many people as you can now with it being as limited as it is. But I still think that there's a little bit of fun in in being able to go to a restaurant that you love before and not having as many people. So you'll be able to get the meal that you want even faster. You know, you know that every restaurant owner is doing their best to make sure that you're in a clean, sanitized environment. So the food's it's going to speak for itself, but service is going to be the key. And I also think that if those restaurants are also continuing to do curbside pickup and delivery and that sort of thing, they perhaps will be a little bit more viable even than with just the delivery. That's correct. If they have people inside and people who are still ordering. And so that begins to be perhaps a viable business again. Yeah. I mean, to go orders and delivery, that's nothing new, right? But it wasn't something that was always done in just small businesses or really small restaurants. Or some of the high-end restaurants that have begun to do it. I think that's a really interesting twist too. And I wonder whether they're going to continue to do it because I think well, once you've gotten it established, people may still want to do that. They do. You know, I I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, man, just think you wanted to go to that one restaurant on this special night, but what happened? They were booked, right? Unless you could, you could, you know, make reservations month in, you know, months in in advance and you were on the list, right? To get in. Well, guess what? It's going to be just as exclusive now (laughs) as it was then. But now, because those establishments have been able to do curbside or be able to do delivery, you can still have the food that you want. You know, you can still order your favorite things, but now you just have to make it special at home. And I think people are going to be able to to kind of embrace that. And, and eventually, over time, they're going to love it. I think so, too. I think if if we can survive through this thing, what we are going to have – are expanded options. Yeah. And even grocery stores carrying certain well-known items or signature items from different restaurants that uh, would really be something that they wouldn't have ever considered before. Correct. I mean, I think in the beginning, everything was so competitive, right? So my my restaurant was kind of competing against your restaurant. And, you know, my bakery was competing against your bakery. But now... The city has found a way to kind of adapt and keep a lot of people working. Right. right? So now they're able to offer specialties from local restaurants at a supermarket that you can go and pick up. Right. And I I think the concept of that is is so amazing that they were able to jump on that right away, you know, to be able to say, look, this is what we're going to do for the city. Granted, it may not make us a ton of money, but overall, you know, just to show that we love and care and support for the food industry that we're all a part of, I think is, is, it's incredible. And instead of having a YouTube show where you'd show somebody how to make it, 
and have to reveal all your secrets or whatever, you just say, you can buy it down the street at your favorite grocery store. That's correct. And uh, that's not a bad thing because there's a far cry from buying it at the grocery and serving it for dinner and getting all dressed up and going out to dinner. Well, you can still get all dressed up. You can up. still do that. Yeah, yeah, but you can still enjoy it as well. And I know, you know, this quarantine has put a lot of people in a different position of being able to cook your own meals. So I know there's a lot of people that have been eating a lot of salads, a lot of ramen noodles. You know what I mean? Just because maybe you don't have the cooking skills. But now, because you can have access to some of your local restaurants, you know, within the grocery store, it's definitely opening up. So... I do think that people are finding it comfortable to be able to to just go out and buy those things and still feel like, okay, you know, I'm still supporting a local business that I love, even though I'm not eating there directly. You know, I'm still able to to put my money in the community that I love and be able to expand and keep keep everything moving. I think so. Thanks so much, Dee. It's been great having you here. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for joining me today. You're listening to Tip of the Tongue. We're part of the Nitty Grits Network of the National Food and Beverage Foundation with other great podcasts like The Sustainable Table, hosted by Brent Rosen. Come visit us at our studio at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans. You can find us and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.